What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, investing, with an emphasis on cashflowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 31, Chris Prefontaine. We're here to help you crush your goals. So Chris, really excited to have you today, and uh, I had a little fanboy moment as we jumped on that you guys didn't hear about, but I listened to Chris speak probably... I don't know, three, four years ago, and uh, just thoroughly interested in hearing more about your story and how you invest in the local market. Well, I think it's cool. I, two things that you guys have called the cash flow kings. I love that. And then that you're in Rhode Island. I didn't know until we jumped on. It couldn't be any better. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, welcome. And, Thank you. Uh, so folks always love to hear that come up story, how you got started. And I uh, was wondering if you could dive in and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, getting started is going to date me as far as the beginning, but I started like 1991 building homes. But as far as the terms business, which is what we do now, it was spawned by the crash, you know, 2008 crash. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people felt that. So coming out of that, we said, what won't we do again? And it was things like, we're not going to take bank loans out. We're not going to sign personally, use our credit. I had none coming out of the crash. Um, so we buy everything on terms now. And that was, so that was our foray into the terms business. But prior to that, I mean, building homes, uh, condominium conversions, right? In Rhode Island, mostly um, new construction, all kinds of cool stuff. So Chris, I know that you mentioned the terms business. And for those who aren't familiar, Chris has a very interesting lease option strategy leverages in order to produce income from real estate. So maybe you could talk high level what that looks like and how you learned about that originally. Yeah, so we do uh, lease purchase probably 50 to 70% of our business now. So uh, I'll give you like a scenario and tell me if you want me to go any deeper. Absolutely. So let's use, there's all different ones, like, you know, over leverage, you know, break even, but let's use a house that's say, I don't know, 300 grand. It's in Warwick, Rhode Island, let's say, and it's a mortgage of 250. Okay. Um, owner can't sell for whatever reason, or just wants to maximize their, their cash out. In this case, in their head, they have 50 grand equity. So we say to them, in essence, look, we will uh, structure a lease purchase whereby we take over your payments on the underlying debt, if it works, if, it's, if I can get a marketable rent to cover that, uh, and then some, and we will take care of all maintenance and repairs and upgrades, and on or before, and let's use 36 months, but different terms, on or before the end of the term, we're going to do two things. We don't talk price. We say, we're going to give you your 50 grand cash, and we're going to pay off your loan, because your loan is now less, and that's my benefit. Right. Um, so that's the lease option world as far as just in, in its simplicity. However, when we do that, we create three paydays. This is the key. It's to your cash flow uh, name. It, it creates cash flow now because I'm putting a tenant buyer in the home. Absolutely. It, it creates ongoing cash flow because I'm going to take in more than I'm paying out for my loan or my seller. And then the back end is huge because it's my markup and it's my principal pay down. Those three paydays now, they've grown every year. For us in New England, it's about 75 grand. We go from a low of 45 grand uh, for all three paydays, uh, and that's out in Arizona, all the way to like 200 plus uh, for some of our students in California and DC. So it's, it's lucrative deals. I mean, they're very lucrative. So it's somewhere from 45 to 200,000 per deal. Yeah. Perfect. Right across the country. So I think that's really important, setting up the scenario of this is a really interesting strategy of how to invest in real estate. But I think it's really important to understand like, hey, these are my margins on the deal, and it's a very specific formula that you execute against. 
Yeah, there's no question. And uh, predictability comes to mind because there's just too many niches. You guys that have a niche and a few things dialed in, so many people don't. And right. so you want some predictability. So I can say to my, my students and my own team, hey guys, it's June of 2020 and here's the plan for 2021. And why do we know that? Because we know exactly how many leads we got to talk to. We know exactly what that's going to convert. We know the average per deal. I mean, it's pretty predictable. Right. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, those three separate paydays. So one of them is you have to work to cover your carrying costs throughout the option contract, essentially, right? So once you have a deal under agreement, how do you go about seeking the tenant who eventually turns into the potential end buyer? Yeah, this is important. Good question right off the bat because we don't, well, especially when you're new, you don't want to take on that payment. You make it contingent upon finding your tenant buyer. Right. So, and then to further that, once we find, let's say Frank's my buyer, Frank has to go through like, not just the regular tenant screening, that's important, but also underwriting. So yep. FICO, front end, back end housing ratios. Like I want to know Frank's going to eventually cash this house out. And if not, I'm setting him up to fail. Yep. And there are people and it doesn't, we don't have to use names, but they're on the internet. You go Google it. And there are people that say, yeah, you know, you do the rent tone, you throw someone in, they don't make it and you do another one. Okay, that might be okay for that deal or two, but morally and ethically, it stinks. So we yep. want to set people up to cash out. And then once that uh, person is found, our agreement says our payments start for that mortgage 30 days later. So we're picking up a little Got bit it. of a free month, basically. And Perfect. if the seller asks why, we say, simple, you were in the home last month, mortgages are paid in arrears. So we're going to start next month, even though we have our tenant buyer in the house paying us. Yep. That's um, so when that tenant buyer comes in, is it first and I know talking about the Rhode Island market, is it first and security? Is it first security and option price? What does that look like for incoming costs for that, that person? Okay. So the buyer has to no security deposit because that implies tenant and that implies maybe they get it back. So okay. what we do is we do a, we treat it as a, it's a purchase agreement, but it's a delayed purchase with a lease as the vehicle. So we say, on our education videos on a site, it'll tell the buyers, they got to come up with three to 10% down, non-refundable. That tells me they're a buyer in this right. area. Now, if they come in with 3%, is that good? It's okay if everything else looks great, like your income, works. your track record, everything. Now, what do we do though? What do you get? they're better qualified to get a mortgage like this is all about that. so this is really is at the end of the day this is fundamentally helping more people achieve oh, the american time. i'm like on a mission this might sound corny but I, we are on a mission to like banks are getting less and less helpful right <laughs> so see right the, right. I was at a bank today. Like they're just, they're just a pain in my butt. So if we can do more and more deals on terms, we're helping so many people, like people have tears in their eyes. Like I thought I never could own a home. This is super positive. Right. So that's a really good point because most people would be like, Hey, Chris is making a ton of money doing this, but who does this actually help? But there's a substantial amount of goodwill in this process, helping folks get into homes that maybe they couldn't get into before. Yeah. Uh, buyers. Yep. And sellers like, People think like, okay, we buy these houses that are, that maybe the circumstances are always tough. No, I, the office building we're in, I'm at home today, but the office building we own was bought on terms. He didn't want to get cashed out. For that's awesome. And other reasons. Like that's what we do. I, I broke the mold here. I had to buy a cottage conventionally and then build a home. But other than that, <laughs> I don't do that uh, for the business. So 
there's a lot of free and clear people, different subject, owner financing, free and clear properties. They're in good shape. We do deals with them. So it's not yep. always bad circumstances. So let's, let's circle back to the underwriting process because I think that's really interesting because due diligence on the front end to make sure that you have that right, that right buyer for the delayed purchase, that underwriting process, are you linking up with a mortgage broker that you have contact with or how does that look? Yeah, two things. So first I go through uh, my credit team. They're out in, I think they're in Pennsylvania. I've literally used them for the last seven years. They put them through, what is it, like if it's a credit issue, what are they going to need to do and how fast will that happen if they do A, B, C, D, right? Yep. So, so we'll get a report, you know, 30, 40 pages thick, but the cover page says, hey, John and Jane came in and they're going to be mortgage ready if they do A, B, C by the, the, the brackets usually are like nine to 12, 12 to 18, 18 to 24, usually. Yep. And, and you got to leave room for, for life to happen. So we try to structure right. three-year terms to, on our seller side and get them like in the two-year range. Okay. Um, so they do that. After they do that, depending on how quick their term is, we're going to connect them with one of a couple different mortgage brokers. There's actually one in Rhode Island that kicks butt and she's helping a lot of our students around the country, actually. So it's been working Perfect. real well. Perfect. Love that. Um, on the other front, like, I think that the strategy, at least for most folks, as they listen to this, they probably say, okay, the, maybe the strategy is a little bit complex, but in terms of finding the sellers or the people with the property, I think that's an easy part of the process. Um, in the sense of you probably have some very specific leads that you target in order to track those. Um, but where I think the toughest part of the process is, is finding those folks in the back end. So how do you go about finding those folks? Well, it also makes people nervous. It'd be like, okay, you taught me how to get a property. Now they panic. Like, what am I going to do? I got to get this cash flow going. Right. Um, believe it or not, it tends to be a little bit easier because like talking to sales and all that, sometimes people get intimidated by it. It's, I mean, yep. we teach them what to say, but sometimes they do. It's reality. Um, yep. But on the buyer side, you're talking about exposing a home that, people thought they had to get conventional financing for, and all of a sudden it's available to the other 70 or 80% of the market. It's high. Right. People that can't get a loan today. So that's actually the easy part. It's a lot of it's automated. So 80% of the calls we get, they're renters, no matter what you say in your ad. But the okay. process and the done few videos, weed them out, and then we try to talk to that 20%. Um, we usually get a plethora of buyers per home unless we messed up on the, on the monthly. Okay. And what does that process look like? Like, are you pushing out to Trulia and Zillow or rental kind of syndication sites in order to track those leads? Yeah. Rent links, uh, Craigslist, uh, Facebook marketplace is catching a lot more now. Yep. We have not all newbies can have, but as we grew, we, we jumped on Appfolio. You guys may be familiar. Oh, yeah. I love that. Appfolio. And yeah. they have, I mean, you put, we put our rent on all through that and they syndicate to like 23 different sites, but rent links is in there and all these other ones that are, yeah, it's all automated. But the key is then, as you get busier, and I say busier, even three homes, you, you want to sift out that 80% of the junk. So we do it with done few videos. Okay. What do you consider the hardest part of this process with this terms? Um, on either side? Yeah, either side, but just somebody new coming into this, you know, one of your students, what, what, what would they, what would be the hardest thing for them to get started? Finding the deal? Okay, so this is a good question because we teach the same thing to everyone, Frank, but I, I honestly think this is going to surprise you that it's not the skill sets, but it's, it's the mindset. mindset. Yeah. Because like I told a student in Colorado and to this day now, fast forward a year, he, he gets it. He made like 75 grand a year in his job. And he said, my goals are, you know, I want to do 10 deals this year. Well, that's a lot of money out, you know, for our three paydays. So I said to him, so-and-so this, the, your biggest challenge is not going to be me teaching you. I coach him personally. I said, it's going to be you growing to, to get to the point where you can make that money. And sure enough, it took him a year to do his first deal. 
but his first two deals, he's over 300 grand. So all that to say, I really think it's a space between our ears. So we're doing a lot in the community to like teach that and bring people in who we use to expose them to the students because everybody can teach the skill sets. We do it, but we also bring that in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I know that you talked about how you started out kind of building in, I'll say 1991, I think is what you're hinting at. And then you just want to hit that date and date date me again. (laughs) It's all all good. I won't tell you how old I was, Um, but um, I think, I think that's really cool, but it just shows what I want to show or bring up was, you know, you started at that point, which is dramatically different than what you do now. And then you had some kind of milestones along the way. And I don't know if you want to talk about how you were set up before the market downturn and, and what the market downturn looked like. Well, I will talk about it because now all I talk about is the opposite. And that's being kind of, I won't say recession proof, but like recession resistant, like as best you can. Right. Um, so, okay. So pre 08, um, even though I was in it for a while at that point, I don't know, 18 years or whatever it was, I always thought the thing was just going to keep going, right? You get caught up in this whirlwind, like it's an ATM machine. And so we had properties, Rhode Island and Massachusetts that were over leveraged and or investor money, you know, brought them in and so over leveraged that way. And so when the, when it crashed, we had a project in Providence, you guys would appreciate this. It wasn't a great area. It was a six unit and it was a condominium conversion. We, by the time we used to get those done, they'd be selling like hotcakes. Well, we got three done at like 172. We couldn't sell the last three units when things, when the light switch turned off for 50, if our life depended on it. Well, wow. so pre wow. I was signed personally on all that. Well, they come knocking. <laughs> they don't care who took the market down. They come knocking. Right. So, uh, pre-08, we weren't set up right to buy on terms. We were set up to buy conventionally, raise or get 20% down or whatever it is and buy the property and you know, the same old stuff. Yep. So, we, so that's one major issue. Um, I, all the years as a realtor, all the years as a, as a, as a builder, I didn't know terms like I, like we know now. I just didn't, I knew of some pieces of it, but didn't know about it. Crazy. So honestly, so based on my understanding of what you do, I really don't, I haven't heard of many other people doing this. And that that's probably why I've had such success with your coaching program. After 08 and you talk about the condos and, and kind of the light switch turning off, what causes that pivot point and where do you start to learn about this process to develop this strategy? Well, <laughs> what causes the tipping point, uh, Jimmy, good question is usually pain, right? Yeah. So absolutely. Like, really, like, like life events. Sometimes I, my, my son had a major accident, a head injury was in a coma. Like those major events cause you sucks then, but it causes you to do something. Right. In 08, I got to say there was a bridge there. My son-in-law brought this up to me last week. He said, you know, our community doesn't know that you, literally had to change careers and get out of real estate to make a living. So after that happened, I had to like get out and do some speaking inside of the direct selling industry. And I became like top selling all that top uh, uh, producing all that, but I had a big income to replace. And so yeah. my point is you get it like the major life events. You've got to dive in and learn it. Like there's no tomorrow, but here's, here's something I want to share. So no matter what, like if you want apartment niche, great. If you want, Tax lien is great. Whatever you want. I'm not so naive to think we're the only niche, but right. whatever your niche is, as far as the turning point, the tipping point, like find someone in the trenches current. Like Frank said, I just did a deal before the show. That, okay. He's current. Like learn what the heck he's doing. Right. And then once you do though, here's the hard part. Uh, and the tipping point for most people, we, they lose, we lose them or you guys would lose them. Um, 36 month commitment. Like these expectations that you can get rich tomorrow in real estate there's some cool niches and Frank, you didn't do syndication like overnight. Like that takes learning. Yeah. Time. 
So, so if, if somebody wants to do any niche and you want to crush it, give it 36 months. I'm talking no shiny object syndrome, looking elsewhere, straight ahead following someone for 36 months, you will have a great experience. That's the, that's the tipping point. You got to commit to it though. I'm with you hundred percent on those points, particularly the first one that you hit on. So um, Frank and I had a meeting with a young guy out of Worcester. I think he's out of Worcester. Is that a fall river now? Or he's moving to fall river. Yeah. Okay. Um, you sit on the couch and I said, what's really important. I said, find somebody who's actually doing it too often. We find more recently on social media, there's these folks that'll blast a bunch of stuff on social media and they're not really doing what they're teaching you to do. No, they and, sell product. Right. They sell product. Um, so to me, I think that's really important. Um, I've never said 36 months, but I, I think that's critical to set an amount of time in order to chase something. And I don't think it's six months or a year. I think it's a minimum 18 to 24 months. 36 months is a good target, but stick with it because it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Like um, I've had a lot of folks come up to me and our property management company is fairly recognizable now, but like seven years ago when I'm in my first house hack and I'm in this crummy house in Pawtucket, that I still own that's still not so nice on the outside, but <laughs> I'm handwriting all my yellow letters. Nobody, nobody sees what I'm doing then, but yeah. is that work that you put in that long ago for me seven years ago to get to this point today? And, and that's a big point, or I guess a big component of why you're saying put in 36 months, commit that amount of time so you can really see where you're able to take it. Yeah. Picture this. Let's say we're local, right? The three of us. So let's say we say, all right, we're going to start a business and we're going to, we're going to meet at your office. We're going to get some investors and they go, wow, you three got great experience and we're going to invest in you. And then Dan, we go, okay, great guys. Thanks. You know what? We're going to give it a shot for like six months. We'll see how it works. They'd laugh us out of the room, but yet right. people in the real estate and they go, yeah, I'll try it. Well, there's too much free stuff out there now. Go dig in until you're like, you know what you want to do. Then just dive in for three years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So right now, besides terms, that's what percent of your business right now? And what else are you guys working on? Um, the, the sandwich leases, uh, except for Texas, is like 60, 50 to 70%, let's say, of our business. And then we do a lot with the owner financing. Um, with the market, who knows where it's going? We're doing a lot more with longer-term owner financing and longer-term sub-two. Those are the three ways you buy. Lease purchase, sub-two, and, and owner financing. But when I say owner financing because that means a lot of different things. I mean, specifically free and clear property. So there's no debt on it. And yep. that's a third of the properties in the United States. And, and they are willing to take their time to get paid and they want top dollar. I don't care what the price is, as long as I can push the term out because we make principal only payments every month. We do not make interest payments. So that's really interesting. That's and I don't know if this is recession diving, uh, play. I don't know if this is diving too much into your coaching program, um, but how those conversations look on the front end, like when you sit down with somebody, uh, to determine is it the sandwich lease, is it um, owner financing, or is it subject to? Um, like, good question. So if it's free and clear, I'm definitely going owner financing first if I can. Right. Um, the, and the, then you take that down for your portfolio? Uh, yes. So say it's 10 years. I'll just use that number. Yep. We don't need to do a rent-own right now. We can play around with it for six years. Right. Do a rent-own. If we want to take it out sooner because it's a four-year term, we will put a rent-own in four or five because we'll let them just take their time. If you don't push them, they'll take their time. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, my discussion is this way, though, um, on all these, Jimmy. It's, okay, if you got your price, are you open to lease purchase or other terms? Before I even know if there's debt on it. 
if right. you got your price, are you open to that? Or do you need your money now for another house? I need my money right, right now. I got to go buy a house for my family. Okay, I'm not the buyer for you. If, but if you want all the money, uh, we got a solution for you. And do you coach your students to monetize that aspect? If someone says, I need X price to, to go and farm that to a wholesaler or a realtor? You know what? We don't do many wholesale because, frankly, if they can wait on their money, almost any scenario except for I'm behind a year or two of my payments, we can handle. And if they need an immediate sale for cash out, um, I, we just haven't messed with it energy-wise, you know, time-wise. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I know you talk sub to a lot of folks aren't familiar with that term. So Frank and I know that that means subject to existing financing. Yeah, sorry, can you dive into about these terms? No, no worries. That's normally me and Frank normally has to keep me honest. So I appreciate that. I've, I've learned to try and slow it down a little bit. He's <laughs> saying it before I do. <laughs> we, uh, we, I, I get really excited like you do. And I just start speaking too quickly because uh, I love this stuff. Um, can you talk through a little bit how to set up a subject to, and maybe how to negotiate a subject to existing financing deal? Yeah, um, I, will, I will be candid as always, it's my style, and say that most of our sub twos are either the one-off headaches, like people really are in a tough bind, unlike the free and clear, right? Mm -hmm. And I, like I had one guy say, look, I got custody of my grandchild after six months talking to me. Can you come please do that thing in my house where you take the deed? Like he just wanted to go across countries, truck was back, literally. Yep. But most of ours are like this. I've done a ton of them in Rhode Island. Most of ours start with a sandwich lease of some type. Okay. And they get the woman fuzzies. They see that we paid the mortgage for nine months or a year. We, then we tend to come back to them and say, if they're going to get a little equity, we might discount it and say, we'll give it to you now if you transfer the deed now. You know, so they're just a, it's a much better conversation than I never met you and I'm asking you to deed the house to me and trust me. Right, right. Even though it, you know, AAA, Better Business Bureau, which everybody should go after the Better Business Bureau and get on there. Um, even though we usually convert to get to the sub two, just to, that's a long answer. Got it. But okay. I love those because why? Instead of the lease, we can depreciate it. We can control it. We don't have to chase someone for a deed at the end of a lease to sign it. Like there's all kinds of advantages. But the disadvantage to the new person is, aside from scripting and being able to handle that, is you're going to usually in the sub two pay the transfer tax. You can't say to them, you're going to deed me your house. Um, I'm not giving you a dime. And oh yeah, pay your transfer tax too. Like yeah. we usually can't pay it. That's why they're there. <laughs> So we usually right. pay it. It's not astronomical, as you guys know, but it can get up there if you get in a bigger house. Absolutely. What I love about all these different uh, things that you're doing is that the average person in real estate is not doing any of these. You know, uh, owner financing, uh, I've pulled down a few owner financing deals myself, and there's so many people that are like, what's that? You know, and it's yeah. an amazing strategy. Amazing. I think I told you guys before the show, we talked to a very big group last weekend and, and it was two of us students and myself and Zach and the head guy who's on the board raised his hand and we were just asking, Hey, give us some feedback. How'd you guys like this? And he said, I've been at this 22 years. I, I, this is amazing. Like he just was blown away and he was, he had some good experience, but not here. Right. So a couple of things that I like about this one, real estate is all a game about leverage on your capital. And for this type of strategy, you can, get very high leverage on your capital for very low risk, as long as your contracts are built correctly, right? Correct. But then the other thing, when you sit down with a seller who's facing a difficult time, um, whether they can't get rid of their property, they can't get their price, whatever it may be, you have multiple options that you can offer them and they love that. Okay, so that, to that point, um, if, you're, if you're a realtor listening, there was some realtors in the room last weekend, so I thought of this. I, I used to be a realtor and if I knew this then, there's almost no deal I would walk out of the house with. I'd either list it 
or if they couldn't do a short sale or some reason they couldn't do the realtor, I'd say, great, I can buy it. And here's all the ways I can buy it. But you just have to go at that morally and ethically and say, look, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, I'm going to tell you what I think the best is for you. Like right. we'll be at a seller sometimes you guys, and they'll say, look, I like there might be a landlord and they don't need me in the middle. So I'll say, I'm just going to find my buyer and assign them to you. I get one payday instead of three. And when they understand it, they go, why would you tell me that? It's the best for you right now. Maybe you'll refer me business, you know, just do what's best for them and you will have good luck. And the other point of that, Frank is really good about saying this. It's better to make a fast buck than the last buck. So rather than squeeze them for every penny, you're putting them in the right scenario, still making a dollar. And then, like you said, it's all about their referral business. Yeah, they're going to say, hey, Jack, how come you didn't, you, what'd you do? I thought you weren't selling. Yeah, you never believe it. I met this guy. You know, that's going to spread like that. Right. So I know, I don't, I believe it was before we got on here, but you talked a little bit about funnels and, and how you funnel folks into different products or attract those leads. Um, on the backside, are you, are you getting like any, I'm trying to think of how to, how to say this, but like any recommendations. So when you help somebody out, is there any type of like document you have them sign in order to help folks gain confidence on the front end of the process? I can, uh, as in education material. So I'm thinking like uh, we know a local investor that every wholesale deal that he closes, he has the seller write him a note and he won't close on that wholesale deal until they provide him that positive reference in, in that letter. Ah, and gotcha. then he has like that, that book that he goes to when he sits down. So when someone's stuck that he's like, Hey, look at all these sellers. These are all their handwritten notes of how I helped them out. I love that. I wish, I wish we could find it. That's a good way of doing it. We do ask farm buyers and sellers. We sometimes will show up at the signing they have, even if it's a lease purchase and do a video. Uh, so like on that. our website, we have both. Yeah, no question. And then we encourage them to post on the BBB because that has to be accredited. Like, you know, they have right. to be the person. So we encourage that as well. And that's how we've maintained um, uh, A plus status, which, you know, with social media and all the stuff these oh days, my it's God. not easy. You guys yeah. you always have one wacko out there, no matter what you do. Talking, so you're talking to a property manager and a lot of times if we're managing property for the owner and the tenant puts us in a precarious situation, we kind of have to drop the hammer we'll catch a bad review over it when really we're just doing our job. Yeah. And then we catch a bad review. Oh, I, you know, I, they don't say that they didn't pay their rent or they don't tell you what they really no, said. But <laughs> so, um, I feel that one. I definitely yeah. feel that. Hey, one. listen, you have a lot of positive reviews on there, Jimmy. And it took a ton of work. <laughs> just, just like getting the videos at the closings. Um, I, I think that's a solid strategy. Yeah. So, uh, let's get some of the questions we always ask every, uh, every person on the podcast. So, Chris, if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend? Um, I think the three-step plan we said earlier, definitely like, because investors broad, pick, pick a niche. But I'll add what we, what we referenced or alluded to, camp out on the free stuff. It's not like it was 10 years ago. Go to YouTube, um, go to Instagram, wherever these people are and, and camp out and find out not just the niche you like, but find like, ah, oh, geez, I could relate to that person. Like uh, yep. we're in New England. I got to tell you, some people don't want to relate to it. We're blunt, we're candid, <laughs> we're fast, and yes. some people don't want to do that. So go yeah. find someone else. It's okay. Um, yep. And then to, to round off that question then, and then do, the, do what I said earlier, um, Frank, go the three-year plan. And, 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 and they go, people say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. No, it's not easy, but do that for three years. And, and that doesn't say, I should clarify this. That doesn't mean to say you're not going to do a deal for three years. Right. It's just if you commit to three years, I know I'm going to get to the finish line versus fighting with you in six months if you should quit or not. That's all. Right. Well, we all see that with uh, when people do their New Year's resolutions. I mean, they can barely get through two weeks, much less uh, three years. Yeah. You get off a little too much. So, 
Chris. I think I think that this is a good spot. Um, so for our listeners, Chris actually has a program. So if you're interested in learning more, um, Chris has a website that you can go and check it out. So Chris, what are, what are the details there? Yeah, they can just go to smartrealestatecoach.com. Is it, is, again, I'm big on free. There's a, there's a free webinar there and we can, um, I don't know how broad your audience is, but literally on most shows, I can just give you a link for the hard copy, hardcover book. We don't say, oh yeah, and by the way, put your credit card in for shipping. Like I'll ship it from Rhode Island. It's going to cost me six bucks plus the book. If you want me to give that link and you guys can throw sure. the show notes and they'll all get one. They're just going to say you, they were on Cashflow Kings. Absolutely. So we'll throw them in the show notes. And then if you guys um, hear this and you want to reach out, shoot us a DM on Instagram and we can send that across to you. Cool. Let me give that. Yep, sure. absolutely. It's just free, F-R-E-E-S-R-E-C for Smart Real Estate Coach. Free, S-R-E-C book.com. Perfect. Nice. So that's awesome because uh, there's a certain uh, bigger investor that they offer a free book, but then when you see the shipping and stuff like that, it's like seven bucks. So that's amazing. I can't stand it. I'll be in my phone in the airport and I'll go, yeah, I want it. And then you got to put your credit card in. I'm running through the airport. I'm like, no, thanks. I, I feel you there because if you're that good and you hand out that free book, they're, they're going to come back and they're either going to look for the coaching or they'll, they'll buy another program. Yeah. We believe right? in our stuff. I'm big on free. Get, get after it, you know? Yep. So besides your book, which I got to be honest with you, I haven't read yet, but I will be ordering one myself. Um, what is one book you might've read lately or you consider a must read book for an investors? I change so much, you know, depending on where my head is at a given time. Yeah, just pick I, anyone. I love the, um, it's the behind the golden arches or one. It's the McDonald's story that the founder was built on that movie. Yeah. It's a great because, movie. Right yeah. Because it's struggle. It's real estate. It's business building. It's everything in one book. It was, it's incredible. Awesome. Hold on. Ray Kroc was in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love it. I, that's a, it's a great, uh, great movie. It's a great book. So yeah, no, it's great. By the way, don't buy a book. You just said that. You guys should have gotten the two books. If you didn't, they're on their way. Okay. Perfect. Look forward to that. So um, let's see. One of the ones that Jimmy likes to ask uh, lately is, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you see your lifestyle and your business like five years out? Uh, we're in year two. We just ended year two of a five-year mission. So going five years out will put me two years past that. Um, my, my son-in-law, Zach, and my son, Nick, will be, will be running things. I love doing deals. I love working with the higher level students I have. I have like 14 of them. That's, I, I'll live there for a while because it, when it's bored, I'll get out. But right now, you, the way we structure deals, there's never one the same. And so I, yeah. I, I can see myself just playing with those in my IRA forever and uh, coaching the higher level people that really want it. That's fun. I love that. Are you doing more and more on the commercial side as well? Or are we sticking with uh, just the smaller multis and the singles? Yeah, we teach the, the, uh, the uh, singles. Um, but, you know, just in the lead gen process, as you guys know, stuff comes up and they, and they bring them to us. And then in our case, like you guys in Rhode Island, I did a six unit in Pawtucket at my IRA, did a four unit. Both, we're out of both of those now. Yep. Um, I'm building, as I told you guys before the show that we bought for our own entities that was bought owner financing. So those wow. will come about, but I focus right now on the single families. You know, people will never stop getting married and buying their first house. True. Perfect. True. Now, I'm just thinking with the Amazonification of America and just these malls and everything else. One of my things is, uh, when I get out there and look at hotels with owner financing and stuff like that, just cool stuff. Anything you can get on a front, you can buy like planes, boats, anything by owner financing. It's fun. I love that. Yeah. Jimmy, maybe a little marina or something. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I love it. All right. So we hope you guys liked listening to this podcast. In the meantime, um, if you want to reach out, Chris, what's the best way to reach out to you? 
Uh, just the site, smartrealestatecoach.com, because there's contact button on there, the support. If they want to email, just support at smartrealestatecoach.com. Perfect. So guys, if you want to reach out to Chris, support at smartrealestatecoach.com. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you could click that subscribe button on iTunes and leave us a review, we definitely appreciate it. Cheers to your success. So the Cashflow Kings programs for basic entertainment purposes only. <laughs>